may be seated. Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, it is so good to be in your presence, and we're so grateful that you are present. Lord, we would ask that right now help us encounter you in some new way. Let our hearts uh, be unburdened from burdens we brought in. Let our minds be uncluttered from the clutter that we brought in. And let your word pierce us. And as your word pierces our hearts and our minds, Father, would you change us? Because we want to leave here different from the way we came in as a result of meeting with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week was the Feast of Pentecost. This weekend is the Feast of Holy Trinity. And if you remember last weekend, we, we looked at these three promises of Pentecost that Jesus gave us. And he talked of the power a plan, and a purpose as a result of what took place. What he, he reminded his disciples that if you believe in me, you will do great works like I have done. But he actually, I believe it was this great pause. I just have this beautiful image of myself, of, of watching what Jesus speaking to his disciples, and I could really see how he was emphasizing this, that if you believe, you will do great works like I have done, and, and almost scratching that and saying, wait, You'll even do greater works as a result. And, and that, that these greater works will be done in your life. So there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That takes place. The church begins to move forward. And we have to understand what took place from that moment. And what we have to understand is what is this all about, this outpouring of the Spirit of God? What, what happened? What took place? And I think we often treat the Holy Spirit as some kind of black sheep of the Trinity. There's Father, Son, and the other guy. And we, we just don't fully understand, but it's, you know, if you've seen the Father, you know, she says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that you've had this encounter, and this, this mystery of the Holy Spirit in, in the Trinity leads us to have a flawed understanding of who the Spirit is. And that flawed understanding of who the Spirit is is based on poor teaching or experience that maybe we have had. See, some think that the Spirit is just a force. It's just a power. It's not a person. But the Spirit is the person. It's part of the fullness of God. It's the Godhead that takes place. But we think it's something like Star Wars and the force is with me. And somehow that's the thing that the Holy Spirit is. And, 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 and it's a person. There's a Godhead, and it's a person. Or we think the Spirit is only in the extraordinary things that we experience. So, so and, and we want to see extraordinary things, amen? I want to see the Spirit of God work in our lives and, and, and participate in the move of the Spirit in such a way that we do encounter. And we do have extraordinary things happen. And they're happening right now, and they're happening all around us. But that's not just the only evidence that gives us an understanding of this power or just this extraordinary thing, because he's just as much at work in, in the ordinary things as he is in the extraordinary things. But we're just looking out there somewhere. Or we believe the Spirit comes and goes and is only present when we feel it. Like, oh man, did you feel the Spirit today? That's when the Spirit was present in my life, wasn't it? Now, do we have moments where we're closer? Yeah, it's usually us getting out of the way so God can do what he wants to do. And we, we come together and it's like, wow, that was incredible being in the presence of God. Yeah, because we showed up. He was here. <laughs> Problem is we got to learn how to show up 
and that relationship with who he is. You know, that, that somehow he thinks he comes and goes. And the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the whole Godhead. That's not just one person. So the Spirit says, I, I'm never going to leave you. I'm here. I'm present. And we need to clearly understand the working power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to understand this. We need to get this straight. That the Spirit's work is essential to the functioning of our Christian life. And his character and attributes are essential to our understanding of the nature of God. In order for us to be in community or commune with the Spirit, we must understand what the Scriptures say regarding the Spirit and how the Spirit will work in our life. So today we begin a new series. Guess what the Spirit series is going to be on? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> We're going to begin, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? You've heard that statement before. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time. I hear all these crazy Christians talking about walking in the Spirit. What are they doing? Well, what I want to unfold is the five works of the Holy Spirit in your life and why the five works of the Holy Spirit are essential in every Christian's life. They have to be visible. This is, this is something that's essential that would happen and be, be something that you recognize. And I'm going to run through the five right real quick but you're going to have to come back each week to know the next one. Deal? Okay. First one is regeneration. And regeneration has to do with this new life in Christ, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is this regeneration. But that first work is regeneration. The second work is transformation. And transformation is the sanctification of becoming Christ-like. You're regenerated, then there's this transformation. Third is clarification. Meaning that I know the truth. You know that truth that brings you liberty? That truth that sets you free? That truth that comes into your life? That's revealed. You have this clarification. Fourth is participation. And that's where we get to move in the gifts of the Spirit within our life. Fifth is justification. Fulfilling God's purpose in your life. And how many of us would love to fulfill God's purpose in our life? Amen? That we could begin to walk in that. Well, it starts first with the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. That we would understand that. Matter of fact, if you look up the Greek word or where the word comes from in regeneration, and actually to generate that, that regenerate actually comes from a word that just as Genesis it means a beginning. It actually means a new creation. It means a new beginning. And regeneration, God brings man to a new life in Christ through his Holy Spirit. That's what takes place. And the work of the Spirit begins in every believer's life with regeneration. That's where it begins. That's what takes place. The Bible is clear that we're all sinful. We're all sinful. I don't care how good you think you are. We're all sinful. We all qualify. And we're incapable of our own righteousness and spiritual life. Why? Because we're double-minded. We're double-minded. We're hostile towards God. And in our flesh, we cannot please God. That's the separation that takes place. Does anybody know anyone hostile towards God in their life? Good luck with that. It's not going to turn out well. But there, there, that's because there's a poor understanding. And sin had separated us from this relationship with God. And because we're separated as a result of that relationship with God, we're, we're double-minded. We become hostile. 
See, if you're regenerated, you're, you're not going to be hostile towards God. You're going to be madly in love with God. And that, that you realize that it's our flesh. And in my flesh, I cannot please God. You know how I know this? I've tried. It doesn't work. I can't do it in my flesh. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul writes this in verse 13 through 14. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You know that new identity we get? All who are led by the Spirit of God, that you get a new identity, part of that regeneration, that new creation. And we're called children of God, adopted heirs of his eternal kingdom. That something has changed. But if we're living according to the flesh, Paul says you will what? Die. But if you live according to the Spirit, you will live. That you will be changed. That death no longer has a stronghold in your life. But the Spirit, it's with the Spirit you put to death those deeds of the body. It's in the Spirit we do that. And that's where we have life. So, there's a question. Can someone who's spiritually dead take a step towards God? The answer is yes. That's how it begins. <laughs> we take a step. And Paul writes to his son in the Lord Titus and he reminds him of our human nature. That we all start from the same place. You know where we all start from? A place of emptiness. We all start in that sinful nature, our human nature, and we're empty. And there's a void in our lives. And we're ruled by a sinful nature. Matter of fact, Paul tells Titus, and he's trying to encourage him because Titus is frustrated. He's in Crete. He's trying to build a church. He's preaching the gospel, and he's wondering why people are acting worldly still. Why are they not changing? Why are they behaving this way? And Paul, as a spiritual father, is bringing encouragement, but he says, Paul says this to him, that, 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 that we're all foolish. We're all disobedient. We're slaves to lust and pleasures, full of evil and envy, and there's hate for one another. Now, if you look into the world, does any of that sound familiar? Yeah. It's very different from God's kingdom and God's kingdom plan. We're all. No one's exempt. And that's what it's going to look like. And that's, in a human nature, behavior that you should expect to see. Those things will take place because there hasn't been a regeneration yet. And he goes on to Titus in chapter 3, verse 4 through 5. He says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You know how he saved us? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's not just the other guy. It's that's what's taking place See, God revealed his goodness and love and kindness through his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we don't receive this new birth by our righteousness, our righteous acts. We can only receive new birth by his mercy. That means nothing I can do can I muster up enough to receive it. It's the mercy of God, Jesus, the atoning sacrifice that washes away our sins and gives us a new birth. 
this regeneration, a new life that we receive in the Spirit, that we're changed. And he goes on to write in verses 6 through 7 in Titus, and he says, this is the difference. This is what changed. This is what transforms us. That he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in the sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. See, it's because of his grace. His Spirit was poured out because of his mercy and what he's done for us. That he's changed us that this regeneration takes place, that he generously poured out his spirit. Say generously. generously. Do you know you have a generous God? Yes. And he poured out his life, and he poured out his spirit upon us through us, through Jesus Christ, but it was because of his grace, not because of our righteousness. There's nothing that you can do right enough to be seen right in the eyes of God. It's only through his grace and mercy can we receive salvation. It's about what we surrender, not what we bring to the table. Wait till God sees what I've done now. You know, I used to think that that's how it worked. I don't know if anyone else was there, but I was separated from, from that relationship with God. I didn't understand that, that I, I didn't understand the relationship He desired, and God was far from me. And as a result of far, being far from me, this is what I believed. See, that, that, that somehow that I would do two bad things seen in the eye of God, in the eyes of God, that means I have to do three good things to get right with God. Or my sinful nature had me in such a way, I didn't think I was that bad of a guy. I thought I was a pretty good guy. Ask some of my friends. They would go, no, no, not a pretty good guy. But I, I, thought, and I thought if I did some good deeds to outweigh my wrongdoings, that's how it worked, right? You know, God five, Brett three, and then I got to get up another couple, you know, put a couple more good deeds in there. It's a misconception. That's my righteousness, not his righteousness. Our salvation comes forth by the regeneration work of the Holy Spirit. That's how it happens. That's what takes place in our life. Every believer's story starts with the work of the Spirit bringing a miraculous new birth to that person. It's, it's miraculous a new birth. The greatest miracle you'll ever participate in and understand is in the regeneration and coming to salvation in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the greatest miracle you'll ever see. Why? Because you become a new creation, a new life. You are transformed as a result of what Christ has done for us and his spirit being put in us. That's a big deal. You want to go around and tell some people, let me tell you about a miracle that happened in my life. Greatest miracle of all time because I never could believe that God could love a guy like me, a person like me. I never believed God would forgive for the things that I have done wrong in the sight of God. I never could believe that I could do enough good things to make up for the wrongs that I have done. But a miracle took place. A miracle transformed my life. And Jesus gives a lesson about regeneration to Nicodemus. He gives him a little lesson because Nicodemus doesn't quite understand. He wants to know better. Matter of fact, he says to Nicodemus a few times, he said, most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot. You will not. You will not. You cannot see the kingdom of God. 
How do you see the kingdom of God? Go ahead, church. If you're born again. There's no other way. That's regeneration. That's transformation. That's the change. That's what happens. And Jesus goes on as he's telling Nicodemus, and they're having this conversation. He tells him that. He says, don't marvel. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Don't marvel at that. Listen up, Nicodemus, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, here's the truth. You know, none of us have ever seen the wind, ever. What we've seen are the effects of the wind. That's what we've seen. And you might not see the moment where you encounter the living, loving relationship that God has for us, that transformation, that regeneration moment that takes place. Maybe you don't see that moment that takes place as God's working and his spirit is put in our life, but what you will see is the effects of what took place, that something has changed. What you will see is that at some point, someone's going to go, there's something a little bit different about you. Let me tell you about the miracle that happened in my life. Let me show you the effects of knowing who Christ is and what he's done for me. So Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a religious leader, he's intrigued. He's intrigued and he's moved by who Jesus is. And he's intrigued and he's moved by who Jesus is because he encountered the signs and wonders that took place. And what Nicodemus believed, he said, only God could do those things. Now, he's perplexed. He's a religious leader. He's high up. He's got all the information. He knows the Torah inside and out. But he's seeing the works and things that are taking place in the teachings of Jesus Christ. He's like, something's up. And something's different. And he didn't go, oh, it must be the devil. He said, oh, man, this must be God. And if this is God, I need to know a little bit more about it. So what does he do? He sneaks off in the middle of the night to go have a little conversation with Jesus. Can't let my friends see me, so I'm going to go have a conversation with Jesus. What will the Sahedrin think? Just like some of us, can't let my friends see me, I'm going to sneak into church, see what's going on. Don't want my friends to see me, I'll go online and click a button, let's see what's happening to Mr. Church. Be careful. You will encounter the living and loving relationship of Jesus Christ when you come. And that's what Nicodemus encountered, and it was life-changing. He didn't understand. He didn't understand the concept of a spiritual birth. He, he, what are you talking about? You can't be born again. You can't go back through your mother's womb. What are you talking about? And I think that's another time where Jesus, this is how I interpret it. He looked at me, like tapped him on the head. And he's like, Nicodemus, it's in here, not up here. Jesus is dealing with our heart and the change of a heart. It's not about the head knowledge and information you have. It's about the transformation of a heart. It's what happens, that we're transformed by grace through faith that we believe in who Jesus says he is and the heart is changed and then the mind follows. See, the change takes place when we repent. There's a change in the heart and mind and we turn towards the mercy and the grace of God. That's what takes place. And the spirit turns the human heart towards God and begins a new work in the life of the believer. The spirit, I'll say that again, turns the heart towards God. You don't turn your heart towards God. It's the Spirit of God working in your life. If you could do it yourself, you wouldn't need God. 
Guess what? I figured out I can't do it myself. Myself was terrible. Myself got me in a lot of trouble. Myself was incapable of getting out of its way. But in a moment, the Spirit of God entered my life, and I was changed. He messed things up. He got in my heart. He said, I'm going to show you a new direction, a new way. See, the Spirit turns a human heart towards God and begins a new work, the regeneration in the life of the believer. You're changed. You're transformed. It's the Spirit of God working in our life. And in Romans 8, verses 10 through 11, it says, And if Christ is in you, hear me, if Christ is in who? You. Christ is in me. The body is dead because of sin. That's a truth. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. By the way, his, not ours. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to the mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Which means he comes and he resurrects you and gives you a new life in Christ. That that change takes place. But if we choose sin over righteousness of Jesus, we will die. We will die. That's, that's what we choose. We're choosing. That's the problem with free will. I choose not to follow God. Good luck with that. Why? Because we know that, that there's a choice that has to be made for regeneration to happen, that we have to come to that saving knowledge. And the problem is when we make a choice to walk in our humanity and re reject the spiritual nature of who God is coming into our life, we reject that. The promise is you will be eternally separated from the love of God. That's hell, by the way. Oh, Father Brett, no, God loves, yeah, he loves every part of his creation. And he loves us so much, he gave us free will, so we have to choose. What are we going to do? And my sinful nature was what separates me from that love of God. And if I choose that over the relationship, I'm eternally separated from the love of God. But it's by the Spirit. It's only by the Spirit. We put to death the deeds, the works of the flesh. And we live and have an eternal life in the perfect love of God. But you need the Spirit of God in your life. That's what has to happen. That we have to put to death the works of the flesh. And you know what that means? That means, if you, have you ever tried to put to death some works of the flesh in your life on your own? You ever, tried, you ever stopped trying to drink on your own or drugging on your own? Or whatever thing it is that has a stronghold in your life? It doesn't work out so great. Most of the time it leads back to that behavior. You just have long absences in between. Or worse is your isms act out and you're just as much of a drunk or a drug addict with it or without it. Just as much as you would be in any other thing that you're trying to fill that void with in your life. And then you're going to say, oh, I know I can stop that on my own and do that in my own strength and power. It's impossible. It's only by his spirit that we overcome the flesh. It's by his spirit being made alive in us. It's by the spirit we put to death those works of sinful nature. We put to death those works of the flesh. It's by his spirit we encounter the perfect love of God. 
If we call ourselves Christians, then we must live by the Spirit. There must be a point of regeneration in your life. We have to put to death the works of the flesh, be made alive in his spirit. And the first step of regeneration is always repentance, is to turn, and we turn to the Lord, and we receive a new life with power by his Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your spirit and the gift of that being poured out into our lives, the gift of regeneration. And Lord, for some of my brothers and sisters here in person, or even those online, <clears throat> maybe we made that step at some point, but we need renewed or renewal in our own lives, and we get renewed by your spirit. Or maybe someone's here, Lord, and for the first time they haven't asked or taken that step, and they want to put to death that sinful nature, and it can only be by your spirit and the power of regeneration of a new life, a new birth. Well, that's a decision we make in the heart. And one thing I know for certain is that God wants your heart. We have to decide if we'll give it to him. And I don't know where you're at right now in your heart with God, but I know that he loves you and he wants to have this incredible communion with you, this relationship with you. And he wants to give you a gift of eternal life. What we have to do by free will is accept it. And begin to walk in that new life that he gives, an eternal life that he promises. So if you're here in person or watching online, you haven't made that decision, you haven't prayed a prayer to commit yourself to begin to walk in that new life, I want to give you a chance now to do that. If you'd like to pray with me, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're in person or online and you prayed that with me, here's the most important thing you have to do. You have to tell someone about it. Particularly tell us about it. Here, you're leaving. You can let a host know. And uh, online, you can let us know right now. Because what we want to do is come alongside of you because it's about walking it out in community and help you on the pathway of discipleship where you will experience God's power, God's plan, and God's purpose for your life. Amen? Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace. We're going to continue to worship the Lord in taking up our tithes and our offerings.